Previously on Brilliant Mornings, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people." Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are one of the smallest towns in Judah. But from you will come one who will rule Israel for me. He comes from very old times, from days long ago. Oh, the ruler comes from a town called the House of Bread, or Bethlehem. Do you know that the word courage comes from the Latin word cor, which means heart? Courage meant bravery to speak your heart. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. learned from the great world leaders of the past that it is through the heart that we fight evil. He looked to Jesus, who turned the other cheek and sacrificed his own life for those he loved. Saint Patrick spent the rest of his life moving throughout the different tribes in Ireland, humbly telling them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, who came to rescue from sin and shepherd his people. Agape love is unconditional; it lasts forever. The person who loves with agape love may give up a lot. Sacrificing his or her own life for someone else, even if that person does not love in return. So as soon as I got out of the army, I came straight to Ireland and became a shepherd here. Never regretted that decision. Shepherding is the most noble of professions, you know. I'm your host Heidi Ilian, and this is Brilliant Mornings. Join us as we ignite a passion for history and learn from the great minds of the past. If you've been listening to our previous episodes on Christmas, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Valentine's Day, and St. Patrick's Day, you'll notice some themes that culminate in the special celebration of Easter. After today's episode, you might want to go back and listen to those mentioned. This season, we explore holidays in the United States, uncovering the lesser-known stories of the people behind them. We focus on the poetry and narratives, written or oral, behind the great men and women of the world's many beautiful cultures. On our last episode, the O'Farrell family and their American friends completed a quest for a lost farm in Ireland. The group decided to stay in Ireland for Easter, as the O'Farrell parents look for a new farm to purchase. Today, an ordinary nature walk turns into a dangerous event when a shepherd risks his life to find a lost sheep. Young children will want to listen to the story along with their parents. Today's story mentions faith elements that are meant to serve as a springboard for conversations between parents and their children about the meaning of Easter. Thirty feet padded through the tall grasses of an Irish meadow, as their owners chattered merrily about Easter egg hunts, and spoke less merrily about all of the Irish fish they had been eating since their hosts were fasting from meat until Easter. Each child held a nature journal under one arm, and Easter baskets hung on the other. Today, their new friend Erin had prepared a nature walk for them. 
Let's observe all the signs of new life this spring. And along the way, you just might find some Easter treats. She'd promised with a mysterious grin. The children had met Erin at the start of their three-week trip to Ireland, when they mistook her angelic singing voice for fairies and leprechauns. Because Claire, Jack, and Levi's parents had decided to purchase a new piece of property in Ireland with the gold they had inherited, Erin had played the role of tour guide for the American group and had proved to be a charming hostess on the quaint countryside. We will follow the clues of this poem by Helen Steiner Rice, she said, and began reading. With our eyes, we see the beauty of Easter as the earth awakens once more. With our ears, we hear the birds singing sweetly to tell us spring again is here. At this, the group paused to listen to the calls of a distant crow and a nearby robin. Avia located the robin perched on a moss-covered branch. Its orange throat did not extend all the way down to its belly like the American robins back home, she noted, but it had a similar sweet call to signal spring's return. Hearing the bird calls, Arabella remarked, The robin reminds me of spring by variety. She had learned to sing along to Antonio Vivaldi's Spring Concerto from the Four Seasons. Erin promptly played a recording of Spring by two of her violin students. Look at the robin's bright golden orange throat and breast. It really stands out from his white belly and brown crown and nape. This is going into my nature journal, announced Isabel, plopping down on a log and pulling out her notebook. Several other children joined her, sketching the bird as quickly as they could before he fluttered away to show off his song to another audience. Presently, Micah observed a crow descending on its nest in a nearby branch. Speckled blue crow eggs were visible inside the nest, and Micah couldn't help but think back to Quinn's discovery about birds, which made early. On February 14th, some feathery friends started their breeding season. Birds. Erin nodded as Micah recounted this memory and explained. Most birds here haven't quite laid their eggs yet, because the proper type of food is not ready for the hatchlings. And we have mostly deciduous trees here, which have lost their leaves. The birds are waiting for the leaves to grow, to give their nest protection and cover. These crows, though, they do lay their eggs early, as early as February, because their hatchlings will need to eat the eggs of the other birds, which they will find in early spring. Arabella shouted in disgust. Crows! They should eat the eggs of other birds! I think it's cool, replied Micah, leaning against a tree to draw the crow's nest. After the children had enjoyed ample time to sketch and paint the birds they observed, Erin continued her poem. With our hands we pick the golden daffodils and the fragrant hyacinths. The girls had already found bright yellow daffodils that morning, just in front of the farmhouse where they'd been staying. 
The children now surveyed the field before them with delight as it burst with colorful life. Jack and Levi immediately spied yellow buttercup flowers on the green banks of a narrow stream. Their petals looked like thin scoops of butter surrounding many stamens. The stamens produce pollen for the flower. Hey, I remember the number of petals a buttercup has, Peyton smiled, from the Fibonacci wrap. Five petals in a buttercup. Fibonacci, Fibonacci, Italian mathematician Fibonacci. In the Middle Ages in the city of Pisa, about 300 years before the Mona Lisa, lived a man named Leonardo and numbers were his love. He found patterns in nature designed up above. The mystery pattern that he brought to fame makes me never look at the world the same. Zero, one, one, two, three, five, eight, 13, 21, 34, 55, 89, and on and on. Two numbers side by side add up to the next. Look around the garden, it's quite complex. These numbers are the ones that help plants to form. It might sound silly, but they are the norm. Three petals in a lily, five in a buttercup, eight petals in duffinams, marigolds have... The numbers genius of Nazi discovered the secret numbers nature uses to create patterns. We find these numbers all over the world, in plants, trees, and even the human body. Maddie was the next to find a flower that used the Fibonacci number pattern to determine the number of its petals. This one also has five petals, Maddie exclaimed, pointing to a purple flower. Erin grinned. Yes, those are called early dog violets. They have no scent, sadly, but their leaf shape might surprise you. The leaves are shaped like hearts, observed Peyton. Many of the children decided to sketch the five-petaled violets surrounding them. They carefully drew the green sepals under the petals, which had covered the petals when they were still buds. They did not forget the interesting center of the flower, full of little anthers covered in pollen. Children, there will be more time for sketching later, but I've hidden some special Easter treats for you among the wildflowers. Screamed Levi, moving aside stems and grasses to locate the hidden treats. I found one! He grabbed a blue plastic Easter egg buried by tall grass and opened it. Ah, uh, green beans! He gulped. He certainly had not been expecting green beans. Teo and Jonathan had found two more plastic Easter eggs and ripped them open. A lumpy, glistening, gel-like substance slid from the eggs onto their feet. Oh, careful, that's the jelly I made you. You all said you like to have jelly and beans for Easter? Uh, actually we meant jelly beans, explained Teo. The children's faces displayed disappointment for a moment, and then Peyton shrugged. But hey, homemade jelly is even better, she said, licking the peach jelly from an egg she had found. And green beans are super healthy, much more than my favorite cotton candy flavored jelly beans. Aaron gave a relieved sigh and then blurted out in excitement. Here's the next Easter surprise. The Easter bunny? Asked Teo, peering at the barn nearby. He pictured chocolate bunnies, peeps candy, and chocolate eggs. Instead, a tiny lamb stumbled toward them, bleeding gently. We've now reached Mr. O'Sullivan's farm. 
and he told me that two new lambs were born last night. Oh, well, look at this sweet little new life. Erin scooped up the little lamb in her arms and stroked his skin. This is what spring and Easter are all about. New life. Teo and Micah looked at each other in confusion. Easter's about a lamb? We kind of get excited about Easter because of all the candy, Teo explained. Yes, that is exciting. But where does Easter come from? Well, I speak German with my mother, and she explained to me that the German word for Easter, Osten, comes from Ostre. Ostre was a goddess that people worshipped a long time ago. She was called the goddess of the dawn. They said she brought light to the world. Isabel cocked her head to one side. That's funny, because I speak Spanish with my parents, and we call Easter Pascua. My mom said this comes from the word Passover, which is a Jewish holiday about when the Jews escaped slavery in Egypt. I think in the Passover story, a lamb gave its life to save the lives of the Jewish people. Yes, our Easter celebration has a beautiful origin. We celebrate a new day dawning, as Theo said, because our lives have been saved by a lamb. At this moment, Mr. O'Sullivan appeared, breathing heavily while leaning on his walking stick. Well, there you are. I've been waiting for you all to check out these new little lambs who arrived. What a night! I haven't slept a wink! With pride, he looked at the little lamb in Aaron's arms. Do you know how long it takes a lamb to walk once he's born? Thirty minutes! Can you believe that? It takes babies about a year to learn to walk. At this, as if to prove how incredibly talented he was, the newborn lamb leapt from Aaron's arms and began to run down a hill and through a gate which the children had accidentally left open. No, no, Fluffy, come back here, yelled Mr. O'Sullivan, his tired feet quickening toward the lamb and the end of his cane creating circles in the ground as it helped its owner toward the gate. Little Fluffy refused to comply. Instead, his defiant little eyes darted to and fro, and he bounded down a hill toward the road. No, not the road! There's a cliff on the other side! Mr. O'Sullivan hollered. The children poured down the hill with Aaron, and Mr. O'Sullivan chased after the group, barking commands. Faster! Get him! Don't lose him! Thankfully, no cars drove down the country road just now, and Fluffy crossed safely. However, the cliff on the other side of the road lied just feet away. Fluffy, unaware of danger, loved this adventure. He thought the children wanted to play tag with him, apparently, and continued running on wobbly legs toward the cliff. Although he perceived some instinctual hesitancy near the cliff, he could not stop in time, and Fluffy slid over a rock and out of view of the children who began screaming, Come back, Fluffy! Stop! Come back, Fluffy! Jonathan reached the ledge and peered over, calling, I see him. He's fine, but he's stuck on a little ledge there. I can't get down. Aaron called in alarm. Children, don't you dare go close to that cliff. It's not extremely high, but much too dangerous for people. The children listened to her warning and stood a stone's throw away from the edge of the cliff, frantically trying to find a solution. No one saw Mr. O'Sullivan until it was too late. The old man had fearlessly climbed over the edge of the cliff, 
and now the children could only see his gnarly fingers clinging to the top. After several minutes, they saw the head of a little lamb emerge, and a cane pushed him over the ledge to safety. Aaron grabbed Fluffy from Mr. O'Sullivan's shaky hand and passed him quickly to Claire and Isabel, but try as she might, she could not pull Mr. O'Sullivan back up the cliff. It's okay. That is what a shepherd does. She heard Mr. O'Sullivan's labored voice just as he fell farther down the rocky cliff, landing on a ledge. No! Mr. O'Sullivan! Mr. O'Sullivan! Her eyes tearing, Erin pulled a cell phone out from her pocket. Please come quickly, we have an emergency. We have an old man who has fallen down a steep ledge and he's, he's very hurt. The rescue of Mr. O'Sullivan proved no easy feat. A team with rock climbing experts in harnesses arrived by helicopter within 10 minutes and mobilized quickly, repelling down the rocks and finally scooping up an unconscious Mr. O'Sullivan. The children watched in speechless fright as the medics whisked him into the helicopter. As if in a dream, they heard it take off into the sky and prayed for Mr. O'Sullivan with all of their might. He's going to be all right, kids. He's going to be all right. She tried to comfort them. The next morning should have brought nothing but joy, for Easter dawned with a cloudless and warm spring day. The children could barely focus all morning, however, as they attempted to eat the special eggs that the farm hens had laid on Good Friday. They dressed in the fanciest outfits they had brought. This day had been the one they'd eagerly awaited, happy to learn the customs from the Irish in Kilkenny and to eat the huge feast which the Irish prepared on this day. However, the thought of kind Mr. O'Sullivan and his rescue hung over the children like a storm cloud. Claire, Jack, and Levi's parents led the American group of children into town for church, but the youngsters could not pay attention until they heard the priest mention sheep. All of us are like little sheep that went running away from their shepherd. Thankfully, Jesus is our shepherd who'll always fend and rescue us. The priest paused, and the children pictured the shepherd whom they knew. He had been willing to give his life for his lost sheep. The priest was not pausing for dramatic effect, however. He peered toward the back of the church, and his mouth dropped open as he shouted, Why, Mr. O'Sullivan? All heads turned to the church's front door, where a smiling old man sat in a wheelchair. Bandages were on his head and arms. His granddaughter pushed him slowly to a place in the back of the sanctuary. I made it. A little late, but I'm here. Had to chase a wandering lamb. Finally, it felt appropriate to celebrate life and resurrection. After church, neighbors poured into the O'Sullivan's home with tasty traditional Irish Easter foods, leek soup and dinner rolls with crosses on them, called hot cross buns, mashed potatoes, roasted carrots, cabbage dishes, and plates of eggs with their shells dyed an array of colors. The children sat around Mr. O'Sullivan in his living room. Why did you do it? Asked Leah, shaking her head. You should have let the sheep go rather than put yourself in danger. Mr. O'Sullivan's expression was serious. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. At this, Isabel spoke up. You know, 
I just realized something. Easter is like Passover because in both, a lamb gives his life to save people. The lamb saved the Jewish people's lives during the Passover, and they soon escaped from slavery in Egypt. Jesus became just like that Passover lamb when he gave his own life to help people escape slavery to sin. He's the shepherd that became a lamb. Yes, it's very interesting. I kind of know what that feels like. I had to crawl down a cliff, just like a lamb, to rescue my little Fluffy. He didn't get in trouble for wandering away, but it sure feels like I got in trouble for him. I got pretty hurt down there. The children felt sorry for Mr. O'Sullivan, looking at the cast on his arm and the bandage around his poor head. He held up a hot cross bun and ripped it in half. Jesus' body was broken, like this bread, when he died for us. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Mr. O'Sullivan smiled and cracked open a shell on a red egg. Our shepherd did not stay dead. He came to life again and came right out of that grave. He pushed the egg out of the shell as if to demonstrate emerging from a dark place. With our eyes we see the beauty of Easter as the earth awakens once more. With our ears we hear the birds singing sweetly to tell us spring again is here. With our hands we pick the golden daffodils and the fragrant hyacinths. But only with our hearts can we feel the miracle of God's love which redeems all men. And only with our soul can we make our pilgrimage to God and inherit his Easter gift of eternal life. May your heart be renewed by the joy of Easter. Today's episode was jam-packed with activities and conversations on which to build with your families. I hope you can enjoy a nature walk soon and identify the flowers and birds in your area. Send us a picture on the Brilliant Mornings Instagram or tag us in yours. To discover more about the mysterious Fibonacci sequence, check out Finding Fibonacci, an episode on Season 1, Episode 7 of Brilliant Mornings, and try to find Fibonacci numbers in flowers, fruit, and everywhere else, actually. If you'd like to dig deeper in the symbolism of the lamb used today, check out Isaiah 53 or Yesha Yahu 53 in Hebrew and discuss it with your family. If you have not already, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a comment on the Brilliant Mornings Instagram, and share the podcast with a friend today. Have a blessed Easter. Chag Semeach. Pasak and Seima. Felices Pasquas. Our special guests today included Miss Hope, Isabel, Pastor Ephraim, and Mr. Dan. Thank you for your participation. Thank you, special guests Micah, Arabella, and Luke. Thank you, language contributors, including the Canos in Greek, Mastrakios and Moradis in Portuguese, the Chows in Chinese, the Songs in Korean, the Great Cars in English, the Hex in Spanish, Miss Rachel with Easter wishes in Italian, 
and Passover wishes in Hebrew and Yiddish.